0: but the Lord says they're not odd. They're just peculiar. You know, they're, they're a peculiar expression of Him. And, and there's people going to hell, and the Lord's heart's broken over people who don't know Him. And so the Lord wants us to be able to somehow reach the people. The Lord Himself, sinners were drawn to the Lord. And so um, somehow or another, I think we, the church has negotiated away the very thing that, that keeps sinners away from us because they're not drawn to us like they were to, to the Lord. You know, the sinners loved the Lord. They wanted to be around Him. He wanted to be around them. And, and it was the religious people that didn't want to be around uh, the Lord. Okay? So what, what I want to talk about to you is, is we've negotiated away the very thing that, that the Lord has given us to reach the world. And we need a a new vision. And I wanted to read this passage out of the Old Testament and just talk to you briefly, since I don't have much time. And then we're going to do communion this morning. And what I would like to do, you know, communion is always a time to come to the Lord. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do this in remembrance, to remember what the Lord has done for us. And the Bible also encourages us to look into our own hearts and see if the Holy Spirit would show us anything in our own hearts that needs to be dealt with. And... You know, and not to do not to do communion in a, in a very light way, but do it in a serious way because we are, in a sense, re, you know, we're saying, "Lord, we remember Your body, we remember Your blood, uh, and we remember that why You came You came to save men and You came to fill men with Your presence and Your life." Um, and That's what the Lord wants to do. Amen. First Kings eighteen, verse thirty through thirty-nine. I want to read that to you, Old Testament. It says Elijah said to all the people. Now this is when there was a big showdown. Everybody remember this is a famous Bible story when uh, you know there was these prophets of Baal and Baal was in was was in charge, sort of so to speak as the reigning god in that place at that time. uh, You know America's Baal would probably be materialism and greed, uh, opulence and you know fine things, and so there was this big showdown that came between Elijah, the prophet of God, and the prophets of Baal. So this is what Elijah said. He said to all the people, he said, come near to me. And I believe that's what the Lord is declaring today in the earth to the people of God, and particularly the people of God, because that's who Elijah was speaking to. He was speaking to the people who should have been the people of God. Uh, So we're talking to the people of God. The Lord's saying, come near to me right now. That's what he's saying. That's what he's been saying for months. He's really been saying it forever, but we're just starting to hear him more and more. You know, that sound of that train is getting closer and closer. Did you hear that horn out in the distance? It's getting closer and closer. Come near to me. So all the people came near, so they responded. And the Lord's asking us to respond. And And then he did something. He said he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. The altar of the Lord that was broken down. And prophetically, that speaks of, number one, of course, it speaks of our own hearts. The Lord wants to repair the altar of our hearts, and it speaks of the church prophetically. The Lord's heart is for the body of Christ to be repaired in America. This nation has a great call on it, and He wants to repair this altar of the church. The body of Christ is the altar of God in the earth. We are that altar of God, individually and corporately. And then Elijah took the 12 stones, according to the, and it describes what He's doing to, to, to repair that particular altar. He took the twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. And the Lord was confirming who, who they were. And the Lord wants to confirm to you and I this morning, individually and corporately, who we are. And uh, it says, Then with the stones he built an altar in the, in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench around the altar, large enough to hold two seas of seed. I don't know how much that is, but it must have been a lot. And he put the wood in order... See, he's putting things, he's getting things in order, and God wants to get some things in order in our lives. Okay, in your personal life, He wants to set some things in order. Don't be surprised if He don't come looking. And uh, and then He cut the bull. That's the sacrifice. There's things that God is going to cut in your life. He wants to cut some things out of your life. He wants to cut. He wants you to put some stuff on the altar. Okay, he wants the church to, to sacrifice some stuff. Now, we could get real religious about that this morning, but we're not going to do that. And uh, so they cut this bull. And I'll tell you the secret of the bull is strength, their own human strength in pieces. The church must get away from its own strength. It must get away from doing things in the natural. It's got to quit what it's doing because it's not working. It's not working. We've got to quit our programs. What Becky was saying, the programs, all the things that the church has negotiated, the very things away that God wanted to do in us, we've got to get rid of that stuff. We've got to put it on the altar and let God set fire to it. And if it survives the fire, then we need to hang on to it. If it don't survive the fire, well, it was good, it was good that it burned up. And then he put, filled four water pots with water. And, you know, the water can speak of lots of things. It speaks of the river of God. Get in the river. Let the, let the Lord soak the church. Let the, you know, the Bible and Song of Psalms speaks of the love of God being water, many waters. So we need to really see that these are prophetic things for us. Uh, and maybe we can talk about them more later. And then he says, pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And then he said, do it a second time. and They did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. Uh, so the water ran all around the altar. See, that's what needs to happen with the church. The water needs to be all over us, the water of the Spirit. God wants to soak us. He wants us to be soaked. He really does. That's what he's after. He wants to soak our lives. And he wants that water just to be running all over us. And he also filled this trench up with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening of sacrifice, you know, the evening speaks to the end of the day. It could speak to us about the time we're living in, the end of, you know, our time, you know, we're in the last days, the Bible tells us. Uh, that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are the God in Israel. Who's the God in the church? I mean, who's the God in your life? Ask that question this morning. Who really is in control of your life? Are you or is the Lord himself in control of your life? Who's the Lord? And I am your servant, and I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God. See, that's what the church needs to know. And that's what the world needs to know. Who's the Lord in this earth? And that you have turned their hearts back to you again. And that's what the Lord wants to do for you. That's what he's been trying to do to you. He's trying to turn your hearts to him. But some of us are indifferent. In fact, some of us are offended. Be careful, because that's probably the religious spirit. I'm telling you, I'm just being really straight with you this morning. When the Lord moves, the religious spirit moves. It's funny when you talk about when the Lord's moving in a person's life, you find some people that get offended at you. You know what sinners don't? You start talking to sinners about it, they get sort of fascinated with it. they sort of like, it, or they're interested in it. That tells you something. It says, go read the Gospels. Who got offended at Jesus? Who loved Jesus? See, we've negotiated away for something. That's what we've negotiated, that third word right there. It says, Then the fire of the Lord fell. Then the fire of the Lord fell. And that's really what the Lord wants to do. He wants his fire to fall on the church and to consume the burnt sacrifices and the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench. And now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord He is God. The Lord He is God. That's what happens when the fire falls. Uh, i got this little card here I was thinking about this morning that Arthur Burke gave me last time he was here. He's, a, he's a, break, a, a prophet. He says, If you're committed to the fire, you cannot negotiate with the flames. If you are committed to the fire, you cannot negotiate with the flames. What well, I want to say to you this morning, we have negotiated away the fire. We've negotiated away the fire in the church. The church doesn't have the fire anymore. So when we go out in the world and we look at all the people in the world doing, going out about, about their business, you, you touch their hearts in the spirit realm, you feel their hearts, you feel their pain, you feel their sorrow, you feel their sins. They have no... They need the fire is what they need. They need what Jesus... They're not drawn to us. They don't want to hear about our programs. They don't want to hear about our good music or our best children's program. They, want, they don't want that. What they need is the fire of God. That is what they're going to be drawn to because that's what Jesus was. When Jesus was on the earth, He was the fire walking on the earth. And we've negotiated negotiated away Him. When I'm talking about the fire of God, I'm talking about the Lord Himself coming back into the church. He's the fire. He Himself is. And we've negotiated Him away because we didn't like His flames. Because when He comes, the fire comes, you can't deal with the flames. No, I don't like it like that. So we've negotiated away. Um, but, but anyways, John answered and saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. That's John. That's Luke three fifteen through seventeen. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Who's got the fire? what the Bible says that Jesus does do you have the fire this morning I mean honestly does the church have the fire I don't think we do oh this is what Jesus said Luke 12 49 I came to send a fire on the earth see I'm not telling you something that Jesus doesn't want to do that's what he came he said I wish wish it were already kindled I wish it were already kindled I came to send a fire I wish it was already here this is what the Bible says about angels and much more so us much more so, us, as the redemptive people of God that were placed on this earth for His redeeming person. And He says in Hebrews 1 6, and of the angels, He says, who makes His angels spirits, and His ministers, His servants, a flame of fire. That's what we're supposed to be a flame of fire. That's what we're supposed to be a flame of fire. So we're asking the Lord for the fire. We're asking the Lord for the fire. Anybody want the fire? Let me read this thing that happened in 1949 in the, the islands off the coast of Scotland. It was what they called the Hebrides Revival. It was a revival that happened from 1949 to 1953. There's a man named Duncan Campbell who uh, wrote this. He says, It takes the supernatural to break the bonds of natural. It takes the supernatural to break the bonds of the natural. You can make a community mission conscious. You can make a community mission conscious. You can make a church mission conscious. Are we mission conscious in this church? I think we're very mission conscious. (laughs) You can look at our budget and tell we spend lots of money on missions. You can make a community evangelistic conscious. We're very evangelistic conscious in this church. I think I preached 700 messages on this year on As You Go Preach. Remember that? I pre- preached it so much. I looked at Dave Summers one time and I said, As you go. I looked at him and I thought, Dave is thinking, if he says that word one more time, I'll walk up there and slap him. <laughs> that's the way I feel. I think I've said it too much, Lord. I don't think Dave really thought that, but that's how your, what your mind does to you. We've made, we're, we, you know, we, again, look at our budget. We spend piles of money on trying to evangelize a neighborhood in our community here. We're a very evangelistic conscience. The church has given that to do, and we should do that. Uh, but only God can make a community God-conscious. Only God can make a community God-conscious. Just think about what would happen if God came to any community in power. I believe that day has come, and may God prepare us all for it. You know what happened in that revival? There were two old women. They were old maids. That may not be a good modern term but it was a term when I was a kid old maids were women who never got married okay and they were in their 80's and they got concerned about the young people on these islands okay they looked around and they saw the young people had no stomach for the Lord had no stomach for the church they just had they were dead and they got to praying for the young people and, and the Lord began to really speak to them and, and gave them visions of revival that happened on these islands so they had this vision of revival. So they went to their preacher, their pastor, their minister, whatever you want to call them, and said, "We, the Lord's going to move. There's going to be a revival here. And the pastor said, what am I supposed to do then? You need to get the leaders of the church together and y'all need to start praying until this revival comes. So that's what they told him. So he gathered his leaders together and they began to pray. And they prayed for two months. And one night they were praying away and a young man who was a deacon he was one of the younger leaders in the church he stood up and said this is a bunch of and he said it in the Gaelic language which but in in the English language it's a this is a bunch of bull and you can add the rest of it that's what he stood up and said it and he's quoted Psalm 24 it says he, he who, who may ascend to the hill of the Lord and who uh, may dwell in his holy presence. He who has a clean hands and a pure heart. That's what he said. He said, and Lord, I am here praying for revival and my heart is not pure and my hands are not clean. And he fell before the Lord weeping and confessing the sin and the Lord came on those men at that moment when they began to confess their sins, that their hearts were not pure, their hands were not clean. So they invited Duncan to come because the old women said, Duncan Campbell's going to come. He was a famous preacher in Scotland. Duncan's going to come, and he's going to preach in this revival. So they asked Duncan to come, and Duncan was wore out and tired and didn't want to come. Had some other stuff to do anyway. But then his other stuff canceled. So he thought, I'll go to these islands, I'll preach one time, and then I'll take it easy. That's what he thought. I'm going to go rest. I'm going to preach and rest. So he goes, and they have a meeting for him. He comes and gets off the boat. Okay, now here's the famous preacher, okay, He's met by a young man, and the young man says these words to, to him. Are you right with the Lord? Now, that, the fire was already coming on these people. We're talking this young man speaking to the great man of God, the great preacher. Are you right with the Lord? And he said, by the grace of God, I can tell you I'm walking in the fear of the Lord right now, okay? Because Duncan knew something's going on here. So he goes, and they had this meeting in this church. And uh, he said it was a good meeting. The Lord was there, the presence of the Lord there, but nothing spectacular happened in the meeting. So, you know, they uh, were leaving the meeting, walking out and, you know, wondering, okay, Lord, what's the story here? And there was groups of people outside. They were sort of lingering outside the, the church building. And suddenly they heard a young man inside the church crying out to God. And when they heard, the people heard the sound of heaven in that young man's voice, crying out to God. Everybody flooded back into the church. The church immediately, this was at at midnight, the church filled to capacity. People started coming from all over the island in the middle of the night. Uh, You know, the power of God, the presence of God fell on the island, fell in that meeting. Conscious presence of God, that was the fire. People were repenting. People were on their face weeping before the Lord. Not just in the building, but all out in the front of the building. All over the island, it began to break out spontaneously. They say 75% of the people who were saved during that revival were not even saved in a church building. They were saved out there in the workplace or out there in the marketplace in homes. They literally went to one home in the middle of the the night and nine women had gathered. God had, had sovereignly gathered. And they were under conviction in their heart about their sins. And they were miraculously saved. And he would talk about like, well, that woman now, she's in Nigeria as a missionary. Uh, they were in a meeting one night, and a bunch of young people, the people they had prayed for, that had been in a dance party and drank and cared and having a great time, came to the meeting after the party was over. They said, we don't know why we're here. <laughs> they came and go, we don't know why we're here. This meeting was going on. But when they walked in, the power of God, the fire of God fell on them. And they were miraculously saved. One woman who made that statement, we don't know why we're here, is now in China as a missionary. You see, the power of God fell. The fire of God fell. And that's really what God needs to do in our nation. Our nation desperately needs the fire of God to fall. Go out in the world. Well, that's what I did yesterday. I was made to go shopping. (laughs) You're going shopping with me. A grocery store and push the cart. I hate going to grocery stores. I don't like to do I like to go and get what I'm going to leave and leave. You know, I'm an eight minute shopper. Not forty minutes. So bad that one time she left. I couldn't find her. So I finally found her and she had another shopping cart. <laughs> Where were you at? <laughs> I was right here the whole time. But that was what the Lord wanted me to do. He wanted me to see all these people out there that He cares about. Yet we don't have anything for them because we don't have the fire. We don't have, that's right, Lord, forgive us. We don't have the fire. But God cares about those people. The church has negotiated exactly what Arthur said. If you're committed to the fire, you can't negotiate the flames. We've negotiated the flames away. We've negotiated the fire away because we didn't really like the flames when they started licking on us. Some of you in this room don't like the flames. The Lord starts moving. You don't like it. The church has done it to God over and over and over and over. And he comes in history. If you study church history, he comes to churches. He comes to people looking for a people who will say, we'll take the fire here, Lord. We will take the fire. We will take it. And those are the people like in this island, much of the island, much of the islands were saved. And these are not little bitty islands, you know, where 19 or 100 people, there are thousands. These are big islands off the coast of Scotland lasted for four years. Duncan Campbell spent the rest of his life, he died in 1972, talking to people about a, about a vision for revival because he saw what the difference between church and revival. He saw the difference between a place where the fire of God was and a place where there's church. And there's a huge difference. So um, let me read something else to you right quick. I'm running out of time. But anyway, I will tell you this. This is something that happened. So what I want to tell you is this, uh, uh, quickly. The fire fell after there's preparation. What I just read to you. you know, like, see, we've said we want the fire, but the Lord's said, okay, but you've got to get ready. The altar has to be fixed before I can drop the fire on you. Okay, and that's what the Lord's trying to do. He's trying to fix the altar. He's trying to fix the altar of men's hearts. And, I, and whatever church you go to, if you don't come to this church this morning, I hope the Lord's in your church working on your church like he's been working on our church. He's trying to fix the altar of this church, a place where he can drop the fire. We say we want the fire, but we, are we willing to allow God to prepare us for it? And you see, in Elijah's situation, that's prophetic for us. God needs to prepare us before he can bring the fire. And the Herbides revival, he prepared it through these old women praying and through these leaders getting down on their faces and praying for a couple of months and repenting. And then people being willing to open themselves up to the Lord and let him move. But there was another revival in 1906, 100 years ago this year, called the Azusa Street Revival. Probably most of you have heard that because that's probably one of the more famous revivals. But this is what uh, Frank Bartleman said, who was an intercessor who knew that God wanted to move in America and knew particularly in Los Angeles, California, he wanted to move. And he moved his family out there because he felt that the Lord wanted to do something out there. And this is what he said. He said, The present Pentecostal manifestation, and don't let that term throw you off, uh, because it comes from the Bible, Pentecost, and that's what they called that, a Pentecostal revival. The present Pentecostal manifestation did not break out in a moment like a huge prairie fire and set the world on fire. In fact, no, no work of God ever appears that way. No work of God ever appears that way. There is a necessary time for Preparation. There is a, And I'm telling you, that's what God is trying to do right now. He's trying to prepare us for the fire. He's trying to prepare us for the fire. The finished article is not realized at the beginning. Men may wonder where it came from, not being conscious of the preparation, but there's always such. And he talks more in, his, in this article I read by Frank about what God had to do out there to prepare a people for the fire to come. Well, I'm telling you today, I believe God's trying to prepare a people. I'm telling you today that I believe God's looking for a people where He can put His fire. He's looking for human beings. He's looking for individuals. Is your heart? Will you allow the Lord to repair the altar of your heart? I mean, because we need some repairing in our heart. We got some things in our hearts that not necessarily should be there. We got some brokenness in our heart that God didn't bring on us, that God wants to fix. We've got some hurts, some wounds, we may, and some of us maybe even have some sins that are living down in there that God wants to come after. But he doesn't know anymore just to prepare an individual. He's looking for a corporate man. He's looking for local churches that are willing, are willing to let the Lord come in and have his way and prepare the local church to be a place where the fire can come, where people can gather to that fire and find God. And where people can go out, because really the, the Azusa Street revival is hundred years old, but it is still a fe- it, is the, it was the greatest missionary revival on the face of the earth, proven by any church historian. It has sent more revival. most missionaries, whether, who no matter what their doctrinal position is, can be traced back to that revival in America hundred years ago. So that revival, in a sense, is still going. The fruits of it are you know, the, the world missions that we see. I want to read you one last thing, and then, then we'll bring it to, to an end because it's time to stop. But this came from Evan Roberts. I'm just reading you revival. You know what? You know what I really love? I love reading about revival stuff, but I don't want to read about somebody, who, you know, these people who have these, all these theologies about revival. My first question was, were they in a revival? That's my first question. Was that guy in a revival? He seemed to know a lot. Oh, no, he's just talking about it. Let me find somebody who was in it. That's the guys I want to know. I want to know the people who've been in the fire. They're the ones who carry something. They're the ones who can affect me. If they've been dead a hundred years, it doesn't matter. Well, there's a man named Ezra Evan Roberts, 1904 Welsh revival, and this is what he said about preparation. Uh, Evan Roberts, while reflecting on some of the challenges involved with the Welsh revival of 1904, which was another powerful. In fact, this little card, Arthur Burke, <laughs> he was very affected by the Welsh revival. Our friend Arthur Burke He's 90 something years old. He said the mistake about the revival was to become too, was to become occupied with the effects of the revival, the effects of the revival, and not watch and pray in protecting the cause of the revival. In other words, what Evan was saying, many make a mistake. We want to see God move, we want the the wonderful things He's doing, but we are not willing to take care of the preparation. And he said that was a mistake in that revival. The very thing I'm trying to tell you this morning, God's trying to prepare a place. We need to be watching over that and praying for that so God can bring the fire. Do you see what I'm saying to you? There's a preparation in the earth. It's not church as usual. We've got to keep this church as usual thing out the window. We've got to say, it's done. It's over. We're tired of that. We've got to get people says, I'm tired of church as usual. I don't want church as usual. I want the fire. And God wants to put something in you for people who don't know the Lord people who need the Lord because that's what, one of the reasons we're on this earth and we can have church as usual and those people can die and spend eternity in hell or we can ask God for the fire and present those people an opportunity to know, know Christ as Savior and Lord and them carry the fire on now that's really what we need yes we need good preaching yes we need good music but we really need the fire of God and I'll trade good preaching I'll trade good music I'll trade builders I'll trade it all for the fire and that needs to be our heart Lord we will trade it all for the fire we'll give anything for the fire Lord you place us on this earth to be altars we are broken down altars and there's no fire on our altar Lord let us fix our altar so the fire can come because we can live as we've been created to live that's what God wants to do that's what he wants to do that's why you and I are here we're not here for all that other stuff. That's why we're miserable and unhappy Christians. Because our altars broken down and there can't be any fire on it. And we're like, I'm a fireplace with no fire. What kind of fireplace is that? that? Ain't no fireplace. That's just a hole in the wall. And that's the truth. So what God wants to do, he's looking for men and women who will sincerely say to him, "Here I am, Lord. Repair this altar." Repair this altar, repair this altar, and let your fire come. And I'm willing to not negotiate with the flames when they come, because I know the flames can be painful and offensive. But you know what? Ooh, when you get out that, when you get out, uh, out from under the influence of religious spirit, the flames are not so painful no more. They're like, man, this feels good. In fact, I was created for these flames, Lord. Yes. That's what you built me for. I'll say this: We're built for revival. We're not built for church. That's our goal. That's our vision. Those things. That's what man doesn't doesn't it excite you when you think about that. Doesn't something inside of you say, yes, 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 yeah? No, uh-uh. that's not popular. That's <laughs> not. And I like it in order. Revival's messy. So, you know, when we do communion, that's what I was saying. We want to be serious with the Lord. Uh, We invite you to do communion. Okay, if it's just between you, you know, whatever the Lord's dealing with you about. But somebody in this room, I want to get you. I want to get you. I want you to be committed to the flame. I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, I want the flame. I want the fire. When I take communion this morning, I'm asking you, I'm making a commitment in my heart for next year for the fire. That's what I'm making a commitment for. I'm going to be serious with you, Lord. So, Andy's going to do some music, and we're going to do communion, and you can be dismissed. And, if you want prayer for the fire, we got some fire carriers. Here's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. I had two women to pray for me. Two of them. Jackie Rummage. She was shaking her finger at me. Jackie Rummage. Businesswoman Jackie Rummage. Sam Byron... The Lord's called you to be a bonfire.
1: You can't be anything.
0: I just shaking her finger away. Then this other nice medical professional lady (laughs) was praying for my feet, screaming at me about the gospel. Not where your footsteps. It's the gospel. Thinking, man, they've turned everything around on me. They're preaching at me. They're shaking their fingers at me, screaming at me. So if I scream at you, let me know. I'm telling you, I've been screamed at. It was a great day in my life when those two women prayed for me like that. It was a great day in my life. So I just want to share that with you this morning. So let's just receive communion and we have some people, if if you would like prayer this morning, we'd love to pray for you. Prayers come up. We're going to do communion. We got people there. Yeah.